Hello, friends, and welcome to episode five of the Notations podcast of Audible Letters from Me to You. I'm Kimberly Taylor Pastel, the artist and owner of Lacelet, a greeting cards and illustration company that is all about fostering meaningful human connection and creative self-expression for the sentimental souls among us who long to uplift others while also striving to be kinder to themselves. So I really wanted to have a conversation about sparking creativity through community. This conversation first began around this time last year when I was recording a guest tea time chat for my friend Sarah Schatz's Patreon community on the same topic. Um, And leading up to that, I had written a piece on it um, for my blog, which I'll link to in the show notes. And the topic is so important to me that I thought I would do a full episode here um, in the Notations podcast. So I wanted to start with um, kind of the acknowledgement that being a creative can be rather lonely, especially if you're working from home and more isolated, where you don't have colleagues you're interacting and engaging with regularly, you're not feeding off of each other's energy, or you don't have that general feeling of togetherness, and we're working towards a similar goal side by side. When working on a team, there's typically more feedback, checkpoints, Um, there's hopefully a sense of camaraderie, but when you're working on your own, it makes for a pretty solitary daily existence. And so whether you're a working artist or a creative who makes art on the side of a job or for those of you who make art for the pure enjoyment of it as a hobby, it can feel sometimes like people don't really get what you do or what you find so what what you find so enamoring about about making art and you might feel like you have to keep explaining why art is important or why you spend so many hours a week doing it or why you budget for supplies and all of that can kind of make us feel disconnected or lonely or invalidated like what our passions are don't have significance in the grander scheme of things. Um, But creativity in and of itself is so important. And so, therefore, creative community is important in so many respects, not only to combat loneliness, but also for so many reasons, which I'm going to share with you. So the first one is for a sense of belonging, which definitely ties into what I was just talking about. So getting to know other creatives, building friendships, fostering a space where you can journey alongside each other, that sense of togetherness with people who really get you, who struggle with the same things, get excited about similar things, and even among different mediums and channels of art, there's still this like common thread, this human experience of art makers, um, this special something that you have in common when you meet someone that you can geek out with about art the way you do and on a daily basis. So that sense of belonging is super important within the context of human nature and human need and validation, not just to be liked, but to belong, to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, and then also to participate in hearing and seeing others as well. So another aspect of creative community is inspiration, of course, inspiration. (laughs) There's something about seeing the art of others, whether you're in a museum or on a friend's Instagram grid, where you become instantly energized by seeing their creativity and just kind of spurs you on 
to create something yourself. I know that there's also the comparison side of it too, which is a whole different conversation, but when you can find a community where you feel safe to share your work and where you're cheering each other on, celebrating each other's wins, challenging each other to do more, go further, being the best you can be, and where you are able to be there to witness each other's creative journey. That's something really special and intimate and beautiful and at the core of creative community. Um, Yet another aspect is accountability. And this one I'm so, so, so passionate about. And I'm not just talking about accountability that comes to goals and timelines and things like that, though as a planner, I love that. (laughs) But I'm also talking about accountability to myself, to an accountability to myself to be in a learning posture and remain in, a, in that learning posture. Learning and practicing how to be open-minded and listen to others, to their stories, to their narratives, experiences, beliefs, values, and all of those that may be different than my own, but by listening to them, by celebrating the beauty of our differences, as well as celebrating the beauty of what we share together as human beings across race, gender, religious beliefs, all of that. All of these things that can like have the potential to divide us. There's this accountability I need to have not to silo myself and put myself into an echo chamber where I'm only hearing from and being influenced by creatives who look like me, sound like me, think like me, have stories like me. But instead, open that up to the broader sense of artist, creative, human, community. And that is like so important to me and so important for me to do and to be intentional about doing that. I view it as I have the responsibility as an artist to make sure that all of those things are being considered because they are going to help me learn and mature and become more loving a more loving and inclusive artist within the artist community. By being exposed to and inspired by more people, that to me is what true community is about, a diverse community, one that's not siloed or individualistic, you know, one that just ends up sounding all like itself, but more of a global community where there's space for everyone and where all voices are heard and important and where we can learn from each other and be inspired by each other. So that kind of accountability is really, really huge for me. And I'll give some examples too um, in a in a moment about ways that that creative community helps to helps with that form of accountability. So another is sharing works in progress. This one can be so tough. I really struggle with this one. I'm in a mastermind group which I'll tell you more about later. But one of my mastermind friends told me that she's noticed that I mostly share my work after it's already done rather than in progress um, when there's still time for feedback. And that is 100% fair because in all transparency, I don't want someone to tell me to change it. I am a creature who likes control. I like the safety of control and I remove as many possibilities that I can in which my work may not be liked or um, someone will make a suggestion that will add to the work. Like I have to then go back to it and adjust things. 
But that said, it's not a quality that I think is healthy and great for me. (laughs) And having the vulnerability to put my work out there for constructive feedback from people you trust, of course, um, is such an opportunity to grow and to learn how to troubleshoot and brainstorm all for a more fruitful result in the end. So when you're working on something and you're tunnel visioning and you're so close to it, it's really hard to see it from any, any other perspective other than your own point of view. But when you open it up to other people, that's when you can hear from others and you may realize that it's coming across completely differently to out the outside. But I think there's a certain responsibility that we want to have that will help us consider how our work and the choices we make in our work do affect people. One example is I've had some conversations recently about cultural appropriation in art. And this is something that's very important to me. Um, This is when someone takes an aspect of someone else's culture that's not their own and uses it for their own enjoyment or gain in some way, whether this is for profit by making sales off of it, or if it's for personal entertainment, like a Halloween costume with someone dressing up in kimono. First of all, they're not Nihonjin or Japanese, but also the use of the kimono and how they're wearing it um, is only taking to, into account stereotypes or cliches and they end up butchering the many beautiful traditions and cultural rules associated with kimono. Similarly, I've seen a lot of art centering around Im- the imagery of origami paper cranes, but where they're clearly disregarding the context and significance of what paper cranes signify to its people of origin. Um, Another example is taking the word tribe and using it to convey a close-knit community when that very word is something that belongs to indigenous people groups to which it carries an aspect of their cultural identity and an identity that set them apart and was even used as grounds to eliminate and oppress them. So we see this also in, you know, when, when you're invited to a party with, that has a theme like Hawaiian luau or Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. But that's someone's culture and someone's culture is not a party theme. So these are examples of how culture is appropriated um, as a commodity or as something cool or exotic or novel. And this can be even more hurtful when that people group has already been systemically oppressed, such as the Japanese internment or reservations and genocide and, you know, all of these things, territories being conquered and people being driven out of their homes. So all of that may seem like, but that's not what we're doing, (laughs) but it still perpetuates this idea that we can continue to take from those cultures and those people groups just because we can, because we are more privileged or we do have more power. And um, and though we can do so without really thinking about how it affects the people who actually represent the things that we are taking. So um, as a Hapa kid in LA growing up, um, Hapa is a word, a Hawaiian word, that means half Asian or Pacific Islander. And, um, and half something else or you're multiracial. So in my case, I'm half Nihonjin American, uh, Japanese American, and then, um, half white American. So 
ever since I was a kid, I saw different iterations of my Japanese side, um, just in art, in cartoons, in costumes, um, in all kinds of things. And it always rubbed me the wrong way, but I never really knew how to articulate that or why that was wrong. And, um, and now that I've learned as an adult that there's a term for it, cultural appropriation. I'm so passionate about learning more and more about the differences between cultural appropriation and cultural exchange, which is completely different and more of a situation where you're sharing different ideas and traditions and knowledge with someone who may be coming from a completely different background than your own, but it is mutual and it is freely given and there is a a respect that you're learning it from the person directly and not making assumptions about it and taking it for your own personal use, how you see um, its use could be of benefit to you. So um, all of that is um, a willingness to ask about how things are coming across with your work and do I have a checklist to make sure that I'm taking care to be thoughtful and loving in what I make and are there ways where I can include other people to help me see things from different points of view or angles or in different lights? Is there a point where I need to relinquish a project because it just really isn't mine to be producing? It really represents someone else and um, and that's really important to be able to identify. Or is there an opportunity for an amazing collaboration where there is cultural exchange and um, you can come together with someone else who represents a different culture than your own and you can make something together and build something beautiful so by sharing our work um, with others and being in a posture of learning and um, asking questions asking questions and not feeling badly to ask them because there's a learning curve with everything there were so many years where I didn't even know what cultural appropriation was and I didn't know what to think about um when I'm considering a project. So there's a learning curve and um, that's okay. We just want to be moving in a direction that's inclusive and respectful and honoring of people and their narratives and their stories and their histories. Another aspect of creative community is gleaning from each other. So to glean from each other's knowledge and experience and know-how there are so many times when I have learned something, not because I have experienced it myself, but because I learned a lesson from another person's eyes. Um, this is what, you know, mentorship and, you know, stories being passed down in families and um, sharing of, of storytelling among your peers. All of those are examples of, of that where we can learn from someone else's um experiences to and sometimes that's really helpful in in avoiding the same um trappings that someone else had to go through or just making things more uh less obstacle having less obstacles and being able to move more smoothly through something because you're factoring in some knowledge of another person that you respect or admire who's been taking those steps before you so in those cases, you know, we can, as creatives, even share things about, um, I've, I've had some really great conversations in my mastermind about, oh, you know, here's a really great vendor. Here's one that is actually pretty problematic. It's really tough to work with them. So it can just help me step right over the, the things that could add a lot of, um, 
hardship into a situation um, just because someone told me, watch out. And that's so valuable. And creatives can sometimes have that kind of clench fist mentality of, I earned this. I made this for myself. So you need to work for it too. And I get it because it is hard. We have to like work really hard to figure everything out ourselves. But at the same time, to have our hands open again and have that unclenched fist and share what we know and what we've learned, I think is one of the most beautiful things about community. And sharing what we have in our secret you know, our secret sauce doesn't mean that we've lost anything. It just means that we have, honestly, that we've gained something because we're sharing it with other artists and creatives who can then be more uplifted, can contribute even more into the community that we all share and the profession as a whole, the perception of art in the world. And all of us can have a more lasting impact when we're lifting each other up. Okay, so the last one is ideation, the forming of ideas. I have countless times been engaging in a conversation and then something sparks in me, something I never would have thought of had it not been for engaging in that way. So an example of this is a little while ago, I was sharing a lot about my creative process on Instagram through posts and captions and stories, and I was putting some questions out there about things I'm wrestling with regarding my creative expression and common holdups that come out during my work. And I started receiving comments back and realized there's a lot of common ground, but also there were a couple of things that I felt like, wait a minute, I have some resources or some, some perspective on this that might actually make it less rough for someone. So I started to brainstorm the idea of creating some materials that would help fellow creatives, art makers, writers that um, are dealing with things and holdups that um, are very common, like perfectionism, self-belief, feeling overwhelmed and not knowing where to begin, overcomplicating or overthinking things, second-guessing ourselves or or feeling like we're in the planning stage forever. And my first career being in organization and coordination and communication, these things are, these are areas that just come naturally to me. And so why don't I share them with others? Why don't I, why don't I do that? Um, Which has also led me down an entirely new path to the concept of designing digital products, which I've never done before. Usually my customers are people who want to send a greeting card or bring art into their home, but I've never made anything for my fellow peers, which is a little scary, but I'm also really excited about the prospect and, you know, it wasn't part of any plan. I hadn't thought about it until I started listening to what was being discussed online and, um, and what my fellow creatives were talking about and struggling with. And so that's an example of something sprouting from creative community. Another example is this very podcast. Notations um, was an idea that sparked after three artists um, introduced me to the concept of a ramble podcast. Sarah Schatz, Crazy Clump, and Ray Amiette, who were hosting their own ramble podcasts. And I loved it because it was so informal and conversational and cozy. And it just felt so much more me, less like scripted and businessy and I don't know (laughs) it just it just felt like a better fit 
So all of these things that I've been going on and on about are such beautiful aspects of why creative community can be so valuable. Um, but how do we cultivate that? <laughs> so um, I want to spend the next few minutes chatting a little bit about some ideas of how you can foster creative community in your life. So one idea for fostering community is to host a crafternoon. It can be anything. It could be inviting people over to try a new recipe. It could be inviting people over to do something seasonal. For example, I used to host these crafternoons once a month um, <laughs> for a short period of uh, time in my life when I was a little less busy. And um, what we did this one time in autumn was um, we did two different ones. One was carving jack-o'-lanterns, super simple. And another time we wax dipped autumn leaves, which preserves their color for quite a long time. And we made window buntings um, so that you could hang them in your window and have that sense of autumn without losing the vibrancy of the leaves themselves. Um, and for an autumn child like me, whose autumn is very short in sunny Southern California, this was a very happy activity for me. And this was just super, super simple to organize because I just did a search on, on Pinterest for a do-it-yourself project and it was super inexpensive. We just all collected leaves. Um, I had to get the wax and then I already had twine. Um, so there's a lot of different things that you can do. And if cost is an issue, you can always include an invite on your invitation for folks to bring $5 or you can divvy up who's bringing what so that it's a collective project. This could be for something seasonal or project-based or a common meeting day, like a knitting day where everyone just brings their own supplies and you all knit together while listening to music. So it can be very informal. Another idea is to sign yourself up for a creative workshop where you can expose yourself to a new creative medium, get to know a teacher, learn from your fellow students, or you can even create one yourself. A lot of times I box myself in thinking that I can't do that because in order to do a workshop, I have to be linked up with an amazing studio and be a guest teacher. And I don't know why I put those kinds of stipulations on myself because it's ridiculous. You can host a workshop in your home with your friends. You could rent a space. Um, so there's lots of, lots of um, options that you can do with that. Another idea is to look for some creative meetups in your local area. You might be surprised at how many there are right in your own neighborhood or even just the next town over, which just goes to show that there are creatives everywhere, which makes me really happy. Um, but I did just a quick search and I was, I was floored by the number um, and how specific they were too. Um, so I know, I know that the concept of going to a workshop or going to a meetup is, can be really intimidating, especially for introverts. <laughs> Um, because the idea of going somewhere new with new people, new plays, and having to mingle, ugh, that word just stresses me out. <laughs> but take a friend with you, a sibling, a parent, a colleague, and just go. It's so much, much, much less stressful when you have a buddy to link arms with and who can help you to start conversations so it's more of back and forth and not just on you. Um, another idea is to plan a creative outing or field trip for a group. This does not have to be extravagant. It can be as simple as a jaunt to a new local brewery um, where you each get to taste one new drink, learn about the process of how it's made. You could do a scavenger hunt, maybe a photographic one where you drive to a new place that you haven't been and then you have a list of things to capture with your, with your lens and um, 
can just do a jaunt that way. Sky is the limit and you can think of so many different things because you're creative and just take people along with you to experience it together. You know, think outside the box. It could be something involving music or a conference, a lecture, community theater production, an indie film. So, um, yeah, there's so many things that you can do for a quick jaunt, just a couple hours in the afternoon or on a Saturday. Now, I know that some of us are in more remote areas where you may not have as readily accessible opportunities like workshops and museums and meetups and stuff like that. But I am a big proponent of online connection and communication. And I know that is tough, especially like start and put yourself out there in that way. Um, I understand that too. But I have met so many dear friends online. One of my dearest friends, um, Jackie Sun of Wondershins. She is wonderful. Um, I was speaking at an online maker summit and she was watching it and we connected through that and now we're real life friends we've met in person on many delightful occasions and we're creative accountability partners so it just goes to show that online you can really make some incredible connections it does take time and it does take being vulnerable being present engaging in meaningful ways but I really do believe in it another way you can dip your toes in to meet makers online is to participate in an Instagram challenge going on. So there are some really popular ones like Inktober and March Meet the Maker, which is actually coming up um, very soon. I'll include info on both of those in the show notes. But those are great ways to engage with people who are also participating. So you already have something in common right there. And there's something about the togetherness of experiencing the challenge together, encouraging each other along the way that kind of builds up this sense of camaraderie so that, you know, it's, it's just that, yeah, there's more connecting points from the beginning, um, connection points from the beginning. And it's a really great way to meet new friends, but also deepen relationships with people you may already know or follow, but just haven't really gotten to know on a deeper level yet. And the last one is to start an online mastermind group or creative encouragement group um, or accountability group. I organized a mastermind for my business side of things with three other women who are also greeting card designers and illustrators. So Cheryl Lowe of Quirky Paper Co., Casey Schwartz of Mud Splashed Studios, and Tessa Worley of Fox and Bear Paper Co. And we get together once a month over Skype because we live all over the place, Oregon, North Carolina, Southern California, Canada. And because we're very dispersed, there's just no way we could possibly meet up in person regularly. But we hold meetups once a month online, and we share resources, troubleshoot ideas, critique each other's work, encourage and celebrate each other's wins. And, and then in between meetups, we are free to send SOS emails as needed. So it is very, very meaningful connection point. Um, each month and just a helpful resource too. And then I also have a creative accountability, accountability partner, Jackie, who I mentioned, and she and I meet up online once a month as well. And we hold each other accountable to being creative. And there is something so meaningful about knowing at any given point, like what each other is curious about or struggling with or dreaming about or working towards. And just having that, you know, Hey, I see you. I know you. I know what you're doing and I care about it. I'm celebrating with you and I'm 
pushing you because I know you're amazing. And the, that kind of connectedness is just something tangible and lasting. Um, so I encourage you to do any or all of those things. And I'd love to hear how they are for you or if you have ideas yourself on how you foster community in your life. I'd love to hear. I'm always looking to um, <laughs> to do to do more community building. So I hope I hope this episode has been inspiring and um, just encouraging and affirming that creative community is is very important and there are so many aspects of it that can be really uplifting. And hopefully you have a couple ideas in your pocket now that you might of ways you might implement it. Until next time, you can find me online at lacelit.com. That's L-A-C-E-L-I-T.com, where you can find my blog and past episodes of the podcast. Um, I'm on Instagram at lacelit, where I am on the daily, either my grid or my stories. And you can subscribe to my monthly newsletter for goodies in your inbox. Um, and my newsletter, uh, Paper Trails, which I include tidbits about the studio, um, noteworthy things that I think might be helpful to you, like books, podcasts, tools, resources, apps, etc. Um, a little backstory onto one of my designs, and then there's always an enjoyment, which is a download or resource for your enjoyment. So until next time, I'm looking forward to engaging with you all and wishing you a lovely day wherever so you roam.